is J.B. Coates, and I want to wish all you mothers out there a very fantastic Mother's Day, and welcome to Paranormal Heart. Welcome to Paranormal Heart, a place where people can talk about their paranormal experiences. With your host, Cat Ward. everyone. Welcome to Paranormal Heart Podcast. Thank you so much for being here. Folks, here in Canada, it's Mother's Day, and I'd like to take this opportunity to wish all you amazing mums out there a happy Mother's Day if you celebrate it. I hope it's a good day for you, and thank you for all your hard work as a parent. Folks, my special guest for episode 101 is paranormal investigator and author of the Obsidian Guardian novels, my good friend, J.B. Coates. JB discusses her favorite places to investigate, which include the Old South Pittsburgh Hospital, the Old Harriman Hospital, and Octagon Hall. JB also discusses her work as an author. Her series, The Obsidian Guardian Novels, can be found on Amazon, and her first novel of the series, Integrity, is available as an audiobook narrated by myself and can be found on Audible. JB and I had loads of fun. We had lots of stories to share about our journeys working on narrating integrity, and, well, we may have laughed a little too much, but we always have great fun. If you'd like to share your encounters on the show, I'd love to have you on. You can send me an audio recording of your encounter, you can write it for me to narrate, or we can record our conversation together, whatever you feel comfortable with. If you have questions, comments, or have a topic or a guest you'd like to hear on the show, let me know at paranormalheart13 at gmail.com. I'd really love to hear from you. And if you enjoy the show, please like, share, subscribe, and leave a comment. Tell your friends. Don't keep it to yourself. Tell the world about Paranormal Heart Podcast. You can tell them that new episodes are released on the second and last Sunday of each month at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. You can find me on YouTube, Podbean, KPNL Digital Network on Thursday nights, and any place you find fine podcasts. Now, on with the show. <laughs> Hello, JB. Welcome back to Paranormal Heart Podcast. Oh, thanks for having me again, Kat. I am so glad to be here. I am too. This is We always have so much fun. We do. We do. Yeah. We've, if you guys could hear some of the things we talk about. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Like we were, we were going to film this earlier, but it took us an hour to get through all the other stuff. <laughs> yeah. Just chit chatting. And yeah, that's <laughs> funny, <laughs> but we're here now. Yes. Yes. For your benefit guys and girls. <laughs> <laughs> so for those who haven't heard about JB Coates, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Um, I'm J.B. Coates. I am the author of the Obsidian Guardian novels, 
and I am also a paranormal investigator. I just released my fourth novel, and Kat and I just released uh, the first novel on Audible in audio. Yes, we did. So yeah, I'm a mother of four. Uh, if you count my mom, that would be five. <laughs> <laughs> Normally people say, if you count my husband, it's five. No, 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 it's definitely my mom. (laughs) Uh, Two of which are in college. Uh, One is a a mother of her own. And then I have a 16-year-old that I try often on a daily basis not to strangle. So, (laughs) (laughs) yeah. So, yeah. And, I mean, I write books. I hunt ghosts and I sell liquor at a liquor store. So I've got the three spirits. Yes. Spirits. So yeah. (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) That's what I do. (laughs) The hooch slinger. (laughs) Definitely. (laughs) Hooch slinger that's that hunts ghosts. (laughs) Right. I'm a paranormal hooch slinger by profession. (laughs) I love that. Oh jeez. So yeah, that's I, that's what I do. I, I I live a very whimsical life, basically. You know, I I guess I pay taxes. <laughs> <laughs> like adult stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. And that's what the husband is for. <laughs> oh so yeah. But that's me in a nutshell. Okay. If you're looking for a whimsical ghost hunter who happens to write books, that's me. That's awesome. <laughs> so how did you get into the paranormal? Was it like pretty much everybody else where you had childhood experiences? I did. I did have childhood experiences. I think on our last uh, go about, we talked about the uh, the dark man at the, at the foot of my bed. If you guys haven't heard that one, go back and listen to it because it was pretty in-depth. Um, I'll add the links in the show notes because I can't remember what episode it is right now. So, (laughs) (laughs) but, uh, I actually always was interested in the paranormal, but my dad was very Baptist and my mom was very into what my dad said. So I, it wasn't until after I had my third going to have my fourth child that I actually started, um, paranormal investigating and then after I gave birth to my best friend's son which ultimately killed me for two and a half minutes that's when things became very real for me that's when everything started becoming crystal clear Mm -hmm. so um I've always been really good with people always been very people oriented but after I died and I came back, then I realized that I could actually feel what everybody else was feeling, which is very, very daunting if you don't know that's what it is, mm-hmm. right? So you're like, why am I anxious? Why am I upset? Why am I happy? Why, you know, nothing, none of these are my feelings, but you don't know that at first, And it takes a lot of practice to be able to separate yourself from those feelings, not so much turn them off because you can't turn them off, but you have to be able to 
in your mind go, these are not my feelings and push them to the side. You know, this is what I'm feeling. Find that person with the headache and please offer them some Tylenol. (laughs) (laughs) Not my headache. (laughs) How did you go about to figure out that this wasn't coming from you? So when I woke up in the hospital two days after I had Zion, um, it was just you're in the hospital and the hospital is probably the worst place for empath. Yeah. It really is because there's so much going on. So when I left and I come home, then I feel I, I felt happy to be home. Kids were happy that I was home. Everybody was excited that I was home, except my husband was kind of not standoffish, but he was, there was a paranoia there for him. He was scared. And um, I felt his fear. And so then I was like, you know, there was always the, are you okay? And he's like, yeah, I'm fine. You know, are you sure you're okay? And then I was like, why do I keep asking him if he's okay? He looks fine. Like outwardly, he looks fine. Mm -hmm. He he wasn't. He wasn't okay. So um, then I had to be able to push it around. And then like, I can't go to concerts. Like I, I, I have to prepare myself to go to concerts, to go to large events with a lot of people because it takes forever for me to be able to get over it afterwards, you know? And so... It's got to be exhausting too. It's so tiring. Like I, I just spent this past weekend at a con and mind you, it wasn't a huge con by any means. Um, <laughs> but... <laughs> But there were still a lot of people there and their frustration was my frustration, you know, and, and so I, I get it, you know, so afterwards you're just like, I need, you know, a Xanax and a cocktail, like (laughs) (laughs) great combinations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Xanax and drunk. (laughs) (laughs) So how do you prepare yourself to be in an environment like that where there's so many people? It's a mental game for me. For me, you have to tell yourself, basically, not all these emotions are going to be yours. Mentally, you have to fortify yourself, not against the emotions, because there's no stopping them. There's not an on and off button. Like Mm -hmm. There are a lot of psychics who can put up a wall, and, you know, they talk about this wall in their mind, and... For an empath, it doesn't work that way. Hmm. So you have to prepare yourself in a way that you know that the feelings around you are not going to all be yours. And there's going to be a barrage. And you know there's going to be a barrage. So you pick up your vape and you walk outside and you decompress. And then you come back. And then you do that six, seven times a day. Oh, wow. It's like I've got a concert coming up in October. So we're taking, I'm taking the 16-year-old to go see Kiss. Oh. Yeah, Kiss is coming to Nashville. That's going to be intense for feelings. Yes. And so that's going to take a lot. Not even, it's not even here yet, but her excitement at going, it bubbles over. (laughs) 
So then I'm walking through the house and I've got a pep in my step and I'm like, what the hell? (laughs) (laughs) But it's her because she's been talking about it. Or, you know, Jenna, she's 16 years old, but she's a staunch Kiss fan. She's been talking about marrying Paul Stanley since she was 13 years old. And I don't think she realizes he's ancient. (laughs) (laughs) It's like grandfather. Like 70 years old. (laughs) (laughs) It's so funny. But she is going to marry Starchild. So, y'all, just so you know, hey, <laughs> Jenna is going to marry Starchild's ghost. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have had people uh, marrying ghost, uh, pirate ghosts before. And uh, yeah. oh, with that lady in yep. England. Yes. Yeah, and then divorced. And uh, yeah, because yeah, he cheated on her. Yeah. Can yeah. you believe that? <laughs> the audacity. <laughs> That, that ghost man was a dog. <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeepers. <laughs> so, yeah. But even even here in the house some days, some days, especially if I'm tired, it's hard to separate. Yeah. It's hard. I have to be alone. I have to just, you know, isolate myself in my crafts room and make T-shirts or use the laser or do whatever. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Have you ever tried using crystals or anything like that to help uh, uh, prepare you? I do have, I carry a lot of quartz. I carry different types of quartz. Mm-hmm. I've got I've got uh, clear quartz. I've got rose quartz. I've got just to soak up negativity. Mm-hmm. Also ha- carry a lot of obsidian because it also... Uh, is a defense against uh, negativity. Yep. I don't yep. mind so much the positive, uh, the positive uh, feelings that come through, but it's the mental uh, and emotional vampires that walk up and they've got a ton of negativity. So by the time they leave, you feel like shit, but they're like walking on sunshine because they've just sucked you dry. Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> so I, yep. I love against a lot of that but you know i work in the public so i have to you know i have to be able to block against you know the negative because if not i I wouldn't be able to leave the house you know and ghost feelings and living feelings are totally different ghost feelings are very cool they're very steady you know uh, uh, a living human goes through a ton of emotions over a, you know, 10 minute time span. But a ghost spirit is very even kilter and they're cool and they're not white hot. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so I can hunt ghosts all day long. Yeah. <laughs> I have to worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> and, and like many of us in the paranormal, we'd rather be dealing with the dead. <laughs> yeah. I knew a lady years ago, she wanted to be a doctor, and then she decided she was going to be a coroner because she thought it was a lot easier to deal with dead people than it was uh, the living. And uh, she says because she doesn't have to worry about hurting them when she does autopsies or when she's, you know, if you're treating somebody, you know. uh, So I thought, oh, that's pretty interesting, but... That is very interesting. And she's right. She's very right. I had a next-door neighbor, and it's funny because... A lot of the people that I've ever met that were corners were women. <laughs> <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah. And so I had an extra neighbor. She was a corner. That's what she did. And then uh, 
I was in Texas at the time. And then when I was in Missouri, I had a friend. She also worked with the dead. She worked at a funeral home. And I'm just like, well, who, who hurt you? Like, <laughs> yeah. Did you know when you first met these ladies at what their uh, occupation was or did you just kind of figure it out after? No. And, and, you know, it's funny too, because they never come out and be like, yeah, I work with the dead. (laughs) I cut up people. (laughs) Excuse me. (laughs) Like, uh, (laughs) but like, I'll be talking to one and I'll be like this and this and this happened. And then this person was like, and they, they'd say some off the cuff of that's why I work with the dead. And you just stop, right? (laughs) (laughs) Everything goes quiet. (laughs) And you're like, Janet, (laughs) did you just say you work with the dead? (laughs) Because you just ate at my table (laughs) (laughs) for six months and didn't know that you work with the dead. (laughs) Yeah. No, they didn't just be, they didn't just come out and tell me. So no, I didn't know. (laughs) It's kind of like a paranormal investigator. I don't know if you're, if, well, if you're like this, but when I first meet people, it's not, I don't hide it, but I don't introduce myself as like, Hey, I'm Kat Ward. I'm a paranormal investigator and paranormal podcaster. I wait until they get to know me. And if the topic comes up, which it usually does, I don't know why uh, people will always talk about the paranormal around me and not know what I do. Then I, then I have this look on my face and they're like, Oh, you don't believe in it. Do you? I'm like, Oh, I do just keep on going. I'll tell you why. And then, and then once they're done, I'm like, yeah, I actually investigate this. And they're like, what really? Uh, but yeah, so you, you kind of wait a little bit until you get to, to meet, yes. until people get to know you. I'm always very weary of the people who walk up to you and they're like, hi, JB, I'm blah, 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 blah. And I'm a psychic, clear audience, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, I've been seeing ghosts and oh my God, the demons around me. And I'm like, oh, the D word. <laughs> and you're just like, mm. <laughs> Do you have any kids? (laughs) Right away, I want to know if you're procreating. (laughs) And I'm very wary of those people who are, you know, very open. And and not to say that they're lying. Mm -hmm. Like, I would never call them liars. But I'm like, why are you so open with it? Like, right right off the gate. Yeah. 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 <laughs> like you don't need to do that. You need to, you know, listen to the people around you before read the room, basically. Yes. <laughs> read the room. Because that chick over there is petrified. And you just said there were demons everywhere. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. I'm always very wary of them. And, you know, being in Tennessee, I'm, I'm also very wary of the history, the history buffs who, you know, at any given location, right? Mm-hmm. That name a location and I go there. And the first thing they want to tell me about is all the slaves that were lynched there. Like, <laughs> like you guys read the room. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and they're smiling about it and i'm like are you tempting me (laughs) what are we doing (laughs) like i'm supposed to be like doggone it that's fantastic (laughs) 
it's, it's so funny because whenever you say things like that as a Canadian, I just, I, I forget. So it shocks me sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> me too. And I'm yeah. not Canadian. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I live in a state where that was very prominent, you mm-hmm. know, and I, I, I live in basically the deep south you know, and that that was very prominent. And I understand that it's part of the history of a lot of these places. Mm-hmm. But I don't understand why you can't just make it a cliff note. Why you have to, you know, focus on that. Yes, yes. And then during the investigation, that's all you're focused on. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So then they're like everybody's like, is this a past slave that was hung from a tree by Jebediah? And I'm like, no, it's not. (laughs) (laughs) Calm down, Shannon. (laughs) (laughs) Now, do you think these people are actually um, in tune with maybe um, a a slave? um, And that's what they're, they're trying to, to project, they're trying to talk about what they're picking up on, or is it just because of the location they automatically think that that's what they have to talk about? I honestly, it's both. Okay. okay? Honestly, if you, while the history of a place is very important, mm-hmm. the research of this place is very important. It's it's very important. But if you get the history first, then you have just laid in. Once you've fed the history, the people are more apt to go in that direction for the right? Whether they're feeling it or not, that's where they think the sweet spot for, you know, making a connection is. I'm more apt to want to go into a place cold, see what I get, mm-hmm. and then be able to link it later with the history of the place, right? Now, whether or not they are in tuned to that slave that died is inconsequential because they've already been fed that information, right? Mm-hmm. So while they think they might be in tuned with that slave that died, chances are their mind is building it on the information that they already had. Yep. So while I know the importance of the history of a place, I don't believe that a whole history lesson should be done before an investigation. I agree. Yeah. I like to go into a, uh, an investigation knowing a little bit, like as little as possible because, um, it, it's incredible when you walk into a location and the people don't know you, you know, because uh, we do a lot of uh, private residences. So right. I'll walk into a room and I'll say, oh, I'm, I'm picking up something over here. And then because I tell people, don't tell me right off the bat right. what's going on. But I'll walk into a certain location and I'll narrow down to a spot and I'll say something about this area. And they're like, yes, this is where we, we're getting this. And right. I'll walk into another spot. Um, everything's fine here. Go into another place. Nope, there's something here. Yeah, that's another location. I just, it validates what I'm feeling too. 
Exactly. And you, and you don't want to have kind of like a light pollution when you're looking at the stars, you know. Um, and if, if you're too close into a city, you're not going to be able to see the stars that well. I feel it's the same way when you investigate. You don't want to have too much information because it's just going to pollute what you're feeling. Yes. Exactly. Exactly. You get an inference that wasn't there before because you didn't know before it happened. So it is important, like like I said, and like you said, it's important to know as little as possible to validate what you get later. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I, I, I don't think that the history part is as important in the beginning as a lot of people make it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> but yeah, so here in Tennessee, though, it's just it, you you cannot get away from it. Hmm. You just really can't. And me being one of a handful, maybe, of African-American uh, paranormal investigators here in Tennessee, you run across it a lot, a lot. And so, yeah, no. It, it's just crazy. And they're so excited to tell you about the history. Like, they're very excited. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they're very excited to be like, oh, and there were slaves here and so many slaves. And then when the union came in, they killed the slaves. And I was like, what? <laughs> it's not I not mean, accurate. <laughs> you know, and, and it could have possibly happened. Right. Mm -hmm. But you have to look at it on all sides. There's the Confederate side. There's the Union side. And then there's the truth right in the middle. So pretty much anything could have happened. But you only get the side that people are um, uh, close to. Right. And so and in this area, a lot of people are very close to the Confederate side. That makes sense. Yeah, a lot of people, and it and and it's not, it's by lineage for them. It's Mm -hmm. it's not, you know, anything to be shamed about. Your your ancestors fought this great war here on on American soil. It's it's a big deal, but you have to realize that not all of it was good on either side. You know, and so it, it's just like politics today. Neither side is good. <laughs> like, yeah, I I always have, say you have to vote for the the. They're evil. Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's true because none of them are out for our best Im- interests. No, and if we can get a little bit, that's 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 a win for us. Yep. You know. And so that it's the same when it comes to paranormal investigating. Now, I never realized, again, being Canadian, I just don't. And we do have racism in Canada. Don't get me wrong. But it's not as it's not as bad as like in the States. Mm -hmm. So I never really thought before that you being African-American paranormal investigator. Do you have problems with that with people? No, I don't have issues Outwardly, like people might be talking, but they never show it in my face. Okay. Do you see what I'm saying? Um, Do you sense it from them? I don't. I, it's funny because when these, when these history tour guide guys 
are like talking about, you know, the slaves and, you know, the lynchings and all the other stuff. They literally are just regurgitating history. And while they're smiling while they're doing it, they are literally just regurgitating what they were told by somebody else. Mm -hmm. Right. So there's no malice involved. It's just the wordage, the verbiage that they use and, you know, but that you can't really change that because that's what it was. You see what I'm saying? So, no, they're not being malicious. And I don't get it. I'm pretty well respected in the paranormal community. So I don't get a lot of hate. That's good. Yeah. But, you know. It's just a thing. That it is a thing. There are not many African American paranormal investigators. There's just not. <laughs> and now that you mention that, I realize that and I never even thought of that before. Yeah. Yeah. It's just not how There's, I think. Right, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Here it's it's just, you know, I come a dime a dozen. I did a podcast with somebody else. Uh, I forget, I forget what, it was a Juneteenth podcast where she brought together three uh, African-American paranormal investigators. And it took me a while to agree to go on this podcast. And the reason was because I didn't want to be known as the African-American paranormal investigator. Gotcha. Yeah. So I wanted, I wanted to be known as you know, JB Coates, mm-hmm. it's always just going to be that's me, JB Coates. So, uh, I, I just it, it took me a while to come to terms with it. Plus, June th- Juneteenth is a, is a holy Texas thing, so I don't know why they made it a national holiday for the whole country, but it, it is a holy Texas thing. I don't even know <laughs> what that is. Okay. So you remember when Lincoln did the Emancipation Proclamation where he freed all the slaves? Okay, yeah. Okay. Well, I wasn't there. I don't remember. But <laughs> <laughs> I know I'm old, but come on. <laughs> yeah, he did that yesterday. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when um, news didn't travel very fast back then. Mm-hmm. And so it wasn't until June 19th that the slaves and the African-Americans found out about it in Texas. So they threw a huge party um, celebrating their newfound freedom. And it's always been a thing in Texas. Juneteenth was the day that the slaves were freed in Texas. And so when I, I grew up in Texas, and so every Juneteenth we'd go to barbecues and, Hmm. you know, have barbecues and play dominoes and spades and pool parties and all kinds of stuff. Yeah. And so when they made it a national holiday, it was kind of weird for me because like I said, it's a holy Texas thing. So (laughs) why would it be a national holiday? And a lot of people were very upset, mostly Caucasians (laughs) were, (laughs) were upset but they had a point. This was a holy Texas thing. So why are we capitalizing on it? Gotcha. So, yeah, that's Juneteenth. That's why Juneteenth is important in Texas. Okay. So, yeah. <laughs> and when did, when did it become a national thing? Uh, a couple years ago, a few years ago. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it's really yeah. new. 
Yeah, to the point that Walmart makes Juneteenth ice cream, to Juneteenth t-shirts, you've got Juneteenth games, you've got, and I'm just like, that's yard darts. Why is that a Juneteenth game? <laughs> what are you guys doing? <laughs> Do you guys still have lawn darts down there? Uh, yeah, but they're they're very muted now. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah. They're not like the fun ones like when I was a kid. No, no. When we were kids, we lived dangerously, and that was great. <laughs> Sally lost an eye, but it was fun. It was fun. She didn't need that eye. She yeah. got boom. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. So, you know, people, people were upset. But I don't get a whole lot of animosity in my face, you know? Okay. And... I'm okay with that. Like secret racism has always been there. Yep. You know, so I, I, I'm okay with it. So being a, a black paranormal investigator is just, I am a paranormal investigator with a lot of melanin. <laughs> <laughs> but I also don't want to be a paranormal investigator forever. Yeah. Like I, I want my books to take off and I want you know, I want to be able to, I'm, I'm getting ready to start an Etsy store. Like, nice. <laughs> yeah, nice. Yes, yes. And, and you're going to, it's going to be available in Canada. So you're going to Yes, gonna yes. <laughs> we'll, we'll get so. to the book in a little bit because I absolutely yeah. love the book and you have an amazing narrator. <clears throat> <laughs> but, but where, do you have a favorite place to investigate? Uh, I have a few favorite places to investigate. You should tell us about um, them. Let's see. My first and foremost will always be Old South Pittsburgh Hospital. Old South Pittsburgh Hospital was actually the first location in Tennessee that I ever investigated. I I did a long weekend and with it was at a time where we could still sleep in the hospital. Um, you can't do that anymore. Oh, wow. um, well, uh, Fire codes and fire laws have okay. changed over the years, and so you can no longer spend the night in the hospital. You can still rent the hospital for the weekend, but it has to be two separate investigations. Gotcha. So, um, Ronnie D. has done fantastic on this hospital. He prides himself and, and his volunteers on making the, um, the hospital a safe space. So, you know, a lot of these locations that a paranormal investigator goes to, you got to watch out for rusty nails and you know, rotten floors, rotten floors. Yeah. You, know, you can't go up to that floor because, you know, there's, there's just something up there and black mold, you know, all that. Yep. And uh, Ronnie D went in, with his volunteers, and he cleaned out the whole hospital. Oh, wow. In the end, they had 185 tons of trash. Holy cow. Out of the hospital. And so the hospital is now immaculate. And he closed off portions of the hospital so that, because um, what they did was they cleaned it in stages. 
So the main the main areas they cleaned up, and then other portions they they uh, they closed off until they could get to those areas. And as those areas got cleaned out, they also were open for investigation. Yep. And um, this hospital is so active. I've I've come across, let's say, a five year old boy, and these these things also just to let you know, this is the the history portion that we were we were talking about because what happens is we do investigations and then the volunteers the um, historians they go and they take the names and stuff that we we got during the investigation mm-hmm. and they research it so there was a boy named Adam and Adam died at five years old and he's still at the hospital and he likes to play with balls. So if you put the ball in the floor and it'll roll around and he, you do the Estes experiment and he talks and he, he's very, very jovial. He's, we actually have a picture of his gravestone because he was a real person. Yeah. He was a real little boy. But we would not have known who he was before if we hadn't have researched because he gave us his name. And so that was validating. You know, we've got Nellie. Nellie was, I think she was 68 years old when she died, but she had dementia so bad that she actually had the constitution of a four-year-old by the time she passed. Mm. And that her family actually just left her at the hospital one day because her dementia was so bad. And they just never picked her up. So she stayed in the hospital until the day she died. And yeah, that was Nellie. You know, there's so many great stories, you know, so many great interactions that we've had at the hospital. And I'm telling you, any given day, it could be something different. It's never the same. And so, yeah, I love Old South Pittsburgh Hospital. It's a very, very magically active place. Just wonderfully old and great. Now, just because it's old doesn't mean that it's haunted. Yeah. It's haunted. (laughs) (laughs) If it's a hospital, it's haunted. (laughs) So, um, my second favorite place would have to be Octagon Hall. Octagon Hall is run by the Night Stalkers. Um, it was originally owned by Billy Bird. And Billy was, uh, Billy just re- recently passed back in November. And yeah, but Octagon Hall is built in a literal octagon. It's in Franklin, Tennessee. Yeah, I'm just looking it up now. Wow, yeah. beautiful building. It's a gorgeous building. It still has um, a slave. Let's see, it has a slave cemetery. It has the family cemetery. It has a summer kitchen and a winter kitchen. It has, uh, it used to have a slave cabin, but there was a storm that blew through and knocked it down. Um, It's got two barns and a stable house. And it's so active. At one point, the hospital was actually a full-fledged hospital during the Civil War with a standing room only at that point with so many just injured. Uh, Here recently, though, 
I saw a picture there back in uh, the back in the days when um, the Civil War was going on. There was there was a train not even a half a mile from the house. There were train tracks. There was a train that the Confederates were were coming through, and the Union Army set the train on fire. Well, here recently, one of our investigators were out there and. They, they saw a light in the distance. Now, trains are loud, right? Mm-hmm. Even from a half a mile, you will hear a train. Well, they saw a light in the distance, so they started taking pictures, trying to figure out what it was. One of the pictures actually got a ghostly image of a engine, a train engine, and then six cars behind it on fire. Wow. Yes. Do you have that picture? I do not have that picture, but I think I can get it. <laughs> yeah, if you can, and I will add it yeah. to the YouTube video if that's okay. No, that's fine. That's I, amazing. I it. it is amazing. And I was just like, I was in shock because I was like, that is a train on fire. What kind of camera did they use? Was it a digital one or a film one? It was a freaking cell phone. Oh, a cell phone. Camera. No way. Wow. Yes. And so they were, they were just snapping pictures. And it's funny because out of... The three of them that were taking the pictures, mm-hmm. only one of them, two of them caught the engine with the light, but only one of them caught the cars on fire. And they were all snapped, uh, snapping right, at the same right time. Right each other. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. Makes yeah. you wonder why that happens when you have more than one individual taking photos at the same location at the same time and one person mm-hmm. has something and somebody else doesn't. Yeah, we... We could <laughs> we could be using the exact same camera, right? And we could have a countdown at the exact same time, snapping at the exact, you know, intervals, and all of us catch a different picture, you know, or all of us catch the same one. Or most of us get the same picture and one person gets a ghostly image. It's just it's just the 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 roll of the dice. It's just the way that it is. <laughs> Folks, she's just showing her. One of her cats uh, just jumped up behind her. <laughs> wants to see Aries. what's going on. <laughs> Aries wants to see what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like when we investigate, um, you know, one night uh, somebody might have really good luck with uh, using the spirit box um, or somebody might not like say if I'm using it and I'm not getting any hits I'll say okay somebody else want to try it and they get all kinds of hits you know it's just funny how that works or or a room yeah all night yeah. long a room might not be active at all and then one person walks in and then suddenly it's off the chain yeah so yeah 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 it's, it's just crazy the way that it works but again the paranormal is not a dog and pony show hmm. so you never know what's going to happen. Yep. So, yeah, Octagon Hall is amazing, amazing place. It was built by, um, I think his name was Colwell. Um, uh, I forget what his first, Andrew. Andrew Colwell? Was that it? I'm not sure. I'm kind of looking that up, too. Yeah. Um, yeah, Andrew Jackson Caldwell. Yes. Yeah. So... He actually had a wife, built the house for his wife and their two kids. Shortly after they moved in, his wife died. Mm. And then shortly after that, his eight-year-old daughter, Mary, her dress on fire in the kitchen. 
and she burned to death. Well, oh. she died. She died three days later from her burns. from her burns. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. And so later he married another woman and they had children and then the civil war happened and the union soldiers uh, took over the house for a short time and she got her hand cut off. So in, in a family by one of the soldiers, one of the soldiers cut off her hand. Oh man. So in one of the portraits of Andrew and I forget what her name is, you actually see the hand and it looks like this and it's a wooden prosthetic and it's just in her lap it's, it's just a wooden hand in her lap and so yeah but it is a very active uh location there's all kinds of hidey holes too like where you could hide people there used to be tunnels underneath the ground but they have collapsed in mm-hmm. so uh they were they were getaway tunnels and so there's all kinds of things that go on there it's it's really amazing it's an amazing place plus the fact that they've got the trifecta. So you've got ghosts, right? They also have claims for Bigfoot. Oh. And then uh, Nick Groff has actually, actually seen um, UFO activity there as well. What is so interesting about that, that property, that land? Any idea? You know what? If I had to guess, I would say ley lines. Yeah, I'm thinking of that. I would say ley lines because not only is the house built in an octagon, Mm -hmm. you see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Then ley lines come together at that single point. It's got to be supernatural. It's just, it's just. Do you know of any minerals that are, that it's in the ground? Uh, If I, uh, I think it's uh, limestone. Oh, yeah. I think it's a limestone bedrock. So, yeah. Yeah. Wow. So, and and I was telling you earlier, Bear, who mm-hmm. runs the Night Stalkers, he's actually part of MUFON. And they have activity there all the time. All the time. So, yeah. <laughs> but I don't do the outside. So <laughs> <laughs> You prefer the indoors. I, I prefer, I will look for Bigfoot. Through a pane of glass <laughs> before I take myself out into the forest. <laughs> why, why is that? Because I don't do the outside. Okay. Cat. <laughs> Fine. I like I like plumbing, <laughs> heating. <laughs> Call me bougie. <laughs> modern modern utilities are good for me. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't like being cold. So no, do not take me out into the woods. Do not don't don't teach me that I have to potty outside. I don't want to potty outside. <laughs> Such a diva. <laughs> I am, I am. So yeah, no. I, I do the inside. I don't do the outside. So aliens and cryptids are out for me. Like on a hole. <laughs> Unless they're in a house. <laughs> Unless they're in the house. Yeah. And in that case. You know, I might go on the outside because yeah. nobody wants to see that shit. <laughs> so I don't need to see that. Yeah. I, a Bigfoot, I hear. No, I've never met the man, but I hear Bigfoot smells real bad. Yep. Yep. <laughs> I hear he's very tall. I hear he's got anger problems and yeah. problems 
should try therapy, but I don't, I don't need that on my conscience. <laughs> I don't need that. Like I saw Bigfoot and I think he cussed me out and threw a rock and hit me in the head. So no. <laughs> it's it's the rock throwing it's like you don't stop didn't your mama teach you not to throw things right that's (laughs) right and you stink (laughs) you need a bath yeah (laughs) yeah, i don't do that so octagon hall is is a love for me it's just a very magical place It, it it's like you're transported instantly into that time frame. And while, yes, there were slaves and, and, and they like to talk about them, they also talk about the fact that they were very protective of their slaves. Like while their slaves were, you know, uh, property, they were still very protective of, well, their property. Yeah. You know, when the Union Army came in, they, uh, I believe that... Um, Elizabeth Caldwell lost her hand while trying to protect one of her slaves from being raped. Oh, wow. So you, you, you get a feeling that there was not so much there that I want to say respect, but it's hard to respect. Beatrix is my dog, right? So my slave is like my dog. You see what I'm saying? Like there's a lot, but it's weird, you know. And so, I uh, I don't I don't know exactly how I feel for about that. But I do know that there was uh, there was a comfort there that you know even after the slaves were freed, they still stayed on. Oh wow! Yeah. So um, there, like I said, there was there was a comfort there. For whatever reason, and whether it be that they just didn't know any better, you know what I mean. But that still. was their life, and they didn't know how to, you know, like you hear of a lot of. Uh, it might be a bad example, but you hear of a lot of uh, ex-convicts when they get out, they do, uh, they they want to go back in because they don't know how to relate to the outside. Yeah. yeah, the first thing they do is go rob a store so that they can get back into jail. Yeah, or you know, it's a Stockholm kind of syndrome that they've got where they're they're afraid of what's on the outside so they stay with what they know and and you see it even even today you see it with people who are born in little towns yeah who've never left that town because they're afraid it's all they know right yeah right so hmm. octagon hall is awesome you also hear horses and all kinds of stuff dogs but uh they're not there they also you know there's coyotes but you got to be careful at octagon hall because it is in a huge field huge massive open land (laughs) you just got to be careful i think my third place would have to be harriman hospital and if most people haven't heard of Harriman no, Hospital, I haven't. it's a new venue, actually. So Harriman Hospital was uh, docketed to be um, destroyed a couple years ago, and they were going to knock it down. It was it was uh, docketed to be uh, imploded, and oh. it covers 
a one, uh, one square block of area. It's a huge hospital, huge hospital. So Ronnie D went in and bought it from, uh, let's see, from the town of Harriman. Yeah, I'm looking at pictures now. Wow. Yeah, it's massive. <laughs> it's so big. <laughs> so um, he went in and he bought it and started cleaning it up just like he did with Old South Pittsburgh. And he has like turned it around. It's a beautiful hospital. And he, um, like I said, it's massive. And it's one of my favorites because I was there from the beginning of it being from a hospital to uh, about to be torn down to a haunted venue, right? And I think there's a special kind of love for it. And also because we don't know the whole history of the hospital yet, you know, because the historians are still working on it. Um, he, we're, we're learning things as we investigate for real, you know, That's exciting it going is. in there and getting whatever evidence you can and then finding out later on. It's new. It's a new frontier. Yeah, yeah it, it is. It's brand new. And we get to, we get to investigate. We've got pretty much full route, uh, full room of the hospital. You know, like I said, it's one full city block. It's massive, you know, um, there's a lot to do at this hospital and he does a lot of free roam events. So if you go to the event, you can go anywhere. So, you know, the structure structured events are, you know, you stay with your group, Mm -hmm. you go from location to location to location, and that's how you um, investigate the hospital here. You get there you get the talking to, and then go wherever you want. That's and interesting. I will go through the hospital walking through, you know, I'll see a group over in a corner or whatever. And I'll go over and I'll be like, what are you guys working on? You know, and then we'll all do it together, see what we can find. And then I'll go off and go to the next one and so on and so forth. Harriman Hospital is just a very fun place because it looks like a new hospital like it doesn't it doesn't have the ground it looks like they closed the doors yesterday and then ronnie came in and opened them you see what i'm saying yep and so other than some i think i think there's a a leak like a a roof leak down an elephant uh elevator shaft other than that i mean the hospital is pristine it's gorgeous and so we've had a lot of uh, events there but it's just a really you also see the pushback from the community like in old south pittsburgh old south pittsburgh welcomed ronnie to save this hospital right in the interim ronnie got historic status for that hospital oh that's amazing it in Harriman, you get the sidewalk preachers, huh. <laughs> yeah, who want to preach to you about how you're doing the devil's work when you investigate. There, it's just a totally different. 
community standard, right? But about a week ago, I believe, Ronnie got historic um, uh, stature for Harriman Hospital. So now Harriman is protected historically. So there's no tearing it down. There's no taking it away. None of that. So, yeah. I wonder if the community is going to have a different view of him now because of that. You know, we're working on it. We're working on it. There's a lot of money that comes in. See, money talks, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So when you have these big events at these locations, people are going to need things. People are going to need food. People are going to need shelter. People. So when you bring money into these uh, small towns, mm-hmm. you know, it bolsters. Then people start looking at you different. Heaven has been open, I believe, for a year and a half, not long, not long at all. Um, and in that year and a half, you know, we're, there's a lot of pushback. But eventually, people will come around and it'll work out. We're just waiting. You know, we're doing our thing and we're just waiting. We had a, uh, a ball last year. It was a... a a night to dismember. It was a prom. I love that name. <laughs> it was a it was a gore prom. Everybody was bloody. Everybody was wearing ball gowns and everything. It was great. It was fun. But yet again, the sidewalk preacher was on the sidewalk. You know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. And as we walk down, and you know, everybody's trying to ignore him or whatever. And I walk past him and I'm like, you know, God bless you. And then I walk into the hospital. You know what I mean? Because at that point, the anger, you can't fight anger with anger. No. You just can't. It escalates. It does. It does. So you're like, you know what? God bless you. And then we walked in and then Ronnie looked at me and he was like, did you just tell that man God bless you? (laughs) (laughs) He probably didn't even know what to say. He probably looked at you stunned. He also knows that I am not Christian by any means. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Yeah. Totally forgot. (laughs) So he was like, did you just, and I was like, but that's what he was looking for. That's what that man was looking for. Mm -hmm. He was looking for some kind of validation that what he was saying was getting through to someone. That's all he wanted. How about an hour later, that man was gone. You see hmm. what I'm saying? Yeah. That's what he wanted was validation. Let him have his validation. It doesn't hurt you. Yeah. It hurt me to bless him, even though, you know. <laughs> I'm just going to do me. You do you. But, but Ronnie, Ronnie is awesome when it comes to, you know, the volunteers. And he's super protective of his locations and his volunteers and, you know. The stature and the, uh, I can't tell you how brokenhearted he was when uh, there was a paranormal team that came in. They're YouTubers. And apparently while they were there, they might have faked some evidence or whatever. Uh, Yeah. People jumped all over Ronnie for it. And I was like, you can't jump all over Ronnie for that. Because he cannot control whether somebody fakes something or not. Especially when he's not even there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, 
will you just condemn these YouTubers and leave us alone? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but he, you know, he he was very hurt about it. But that's why I love these locations because they're safe spaces. You know, he's not trying to get something from you. You know, he's literally giving to the paranormal community for the venue. But that literally just keeps the doors open. Because all the money that he makes from the hospitals, he puts back in the hospitals to keep them safe. So <laughs> I'm just like, I mean, he's looking to replace a roof and that ain't cheap. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So like when you guys look at these venues and they're all broke down, but they're, they're costing you $1,500 for six hours and the roof is falling in and the stairs are falling down and you look at them and you, you wonder where's the money going, right? (laughs) Where's where's the money going? Because it's going back into the venue where it needs to be going. I yeah. love how he does that. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Ronnie Ronnie is pretty amazing. He is amazing. He he's the way he thinks is not just business oriented, but he literally cares. Like he literally cares. So man, that man <laughs> he's got my vote. <laughs> <laughs> I will, I will, I will stick up for him with my dying breath because he's got my vote. He has done so much just for me. Mm -hmm. He didn't even know me from Adam, but he recognized my, you know, my, my knowledge. He recognized my charisma. He recognized that, you know, I wasn't just some Joe Smo off the streets who was like, I see ghosts, they're everywhere. (laughs) Yeah. He, he recognized that, you know, I, I drew people. I have a great, you know, ah, what's the word I'm looking for? My personality is just very bubbly and people t- like that, yeah. you know. And so, I don't know. Those are my three top three um, paranormal locations, though. So, it's Old South Pittsburgh, Octagon Hall, and Harriman. I and really need to win the lottery so I can go to these places with you. Yes, yes, I got your text message, Kat. <laughs> <laughs> or you and need I, to win the lottery and fly me down. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, I need you to start book two so that we can just make the money ourselves. <laughs> yes, yes, that's true. <laughs> so, <laughs> but yeah, so, and and, you know, that's what I want to do eventually is just sit and write. Like... Eventually, I want to just be able to write and burn stuff with my laser engraver. <laughs> love that thing. <laughs> All the things I can do with this laser All engraver. these fancy tools that you have. Yes. And I'm just like, I could write a chapter while I'm burning something in the laser engraver. It's fine. <laughs> I The first time that I read Integrity... Um, before doing the narration, of course, because I have to read it. Um, you asked me, so did you like the book? And I don't know if you remember, I said, no, I didn't like the book. And I, I paused for a little bit. And I'm like, I love the book. Like, Yes, I remember the heart attack. <laughs> I, remember, I remember the heart attack, Kat. I was like, she didn't like the book. I looked at 
I looked at my husband and I was like, she didn't like the book. <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> and then I got the text. I loved it. And I was like, this heifer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, and I've had, while during that eight month journey, well, it was a little bit more than eight months. It took eight months to actually record it. But during that journey, I think it was about a year until we discussed that we're going to do it. And I was reading it and we're trying to figure out the voices and all that. Um, I had a lot of people say, well, do you, do you at least like the book? I'm like, yeah, it's a good book. I like the book, because, which I was so happy because it would probably have been very difficult to, to narrate a book that I didn't like and that yes. I didn't believe in. <laughs> yes. If you narrate something, if if you cannot stomach a read, you cannot read it out loud. <laughs> You're going to hear it in the narrator's voice, too. You know. <laughs> and so I was like, I remember the day that you were talking the first the first post I'd seen from you in months. I don't even know why it popped up. Yeah, it was, it was, I'm looking to start doing voice acting. And I was like, I'm looking for a narrator. And I was like, <laughs> and I didn't even know you were an author. Yes. I mean, I was just like, what do you mean you've written books? Like what? <laughs> My cat and I were friends for years before she even knew. That yeah. I just knew you as a paranormal investigator. I was just like, but as bad as my memory is, maybe I did know and I just forgot. I don't know. <laughs> but I'm going to go with I didn't know. <laughs> well, I, we're going to keep that one. We're not going to talk about early <laughs> So, yeah, I we were we struggled. Man, we struggled for. But it was a, a fun struggle. Yeah. Like, I can't tell you guys how many times on Skype we did voices. Yeah. Like, we did voices, and you can hear her favorite voices in the narration. Her favorite is Olivia. It's always yeah. Olivia. Yeah. And she, <laughs> you can tell that she loves Olivia's character because it comes through when she narrates Olivia's voice. And so, yeah, we went through the voices and not that she changes her voice, guys. She does not change her voice, but it's the cadence and the inflections that she changes that just make the characters come to life. And I remember getting chapter after chapter and wanting the next chapter and then remembering that I wrote the damn book. Like, yeah, I know. And that really made me feel good. And especially, well, before we get into that, why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about what the book's about? Okay. So I write the Obsidian Guardian novels and the novels are about gargoyles, magic and chosen families. And in the books, the um, Obsidian Guardians are the gargoyles, of course. The Chosen Families are families that are uh, gifted with magic that's in nature. So if this family line dies out, that part of nature also dies out. So the Obsidian Guardians protect the Chosen Families. Um, but... There's a twist because I don't know about you, Kat, but I hate books when I that I read where the girl's like, I want to help. And the man's like, no, you'll just get in the way. And, get 
and it really make me a sandwich. <laughs> that's right. That's right. I, I cannot tell you how many times I throw up in my mouth when I read something like that. So my books are very evenly kilted. Yeah. So you've got two heroes, right? Where the female is way stronger. She's stronger than she knew she could be where she blooms into this kick-ass female and it's so important to me because I have daughters. I know a lot of your readers have daughters or your listeners have daughters and a lot of my readers have daughters Mm -hmm. and I don't want my daughters reading that crap thinking, well, I've got to wait for the men. You know, I can't tell you how many times I've been to Lowe's with my mom and she's like, I'll just go get a man. And I'm like, no, 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 I got it. I And I'm carrying this <laughs> I four on my shoulder. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm just like, stop it. <laughs> Heavy pumpkin. I'm going to get a man. <laughs> but that was her generation, right? Yep. And so, and my generation was, you know what? We're going to do it. We're going to fix it. It's going to be fine. And I want my daughters to be of that generation. Mm-hmm. I want my daughters to be like, you know what? I can change the oil in my own car. You know, I can change the brakes in my own car. And if I don't know how, I'm going to YouTube it, figure it out, and then I'm going to still do it. And I'm not going to ask a man for help. If I absolutely need help, then we're going to do it together. Not, I'm just going to let him handle it. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? Because the next time, I want to be able to do it myself. So, my books are very, very female-oriented. Yep. And, you know, they it. I felt like it needed to be said. You know, there's a character in, in Integrity that he's a dog. Like, he's... <laughs> he... He says things and he tries to tries to <laughs> pick up line after pick up line. And I like in the book how I relayed what every woman thinks when yep. she's getting hit on so blatantly and so awfully, mm-hmm. you know, and that was important to me because I I cannot tell you how many women I know would have fallen for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, I, the, the books are so much more than just a paranormal romance. You know, the books are a, a, a visage, a visage of real life. You know, anybody, you know, in real life, you can drop into those character frames, Mm -hmm. you know, everybody knows an Audra. Everybody knows a Castiel. Everybody knows an Olivia. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Yeah. So you can drop these people, any one of your people, into those vestiges and be like, ah, that's Janet. <laughs> you know? Well, like one of the characters, the bar owner, I told you, she reminded me of uh, someone that I went to uh, college with, you know. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yes. And, and, and that was important to me, too, because... How can you relate to a character that you don't know? Yep. Right? So, yeah, I, my, the, all of my books do that. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I wrote Integrity, and then I wrote Trepidation, and then I wrote Perseverance, and I just released Fortitude. So, at some point, I'm going to start working on um, 
Valiance is the next one. So, and then the last one is going to be called Dauntless. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, I have to say, when I first started, when I agreed to be your narrator and I read the book, I didn't know about the sex scenes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm no prude. I am no prude. I did not tell her either, guys. No, she did not. I was not prepared. I'd be reading it and my eyes actually got big. and I'm just like, are you kidding me? I had to tell my parents and my in-laws, do not get this audiobook because there are sex scenes in it. And I don't feel comfortable you guys reading or listening to that. And my mother-in-law's like, good, because I don't feel comfortable hearing you talk like that. I'm like, okay, good. I'll just tell you it's a good book. That's that. And she goes, I will believe you. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) You guys, so she actually has read the first couple chapters of Trepidation. (laughs) And so the first chapter, she calls me and she says, the first chapter? (laughs) JP, the first chapter? You hate me. (laughs) And I started cackling like a loon because I had actually forgotten (laughs) But I found it funny, too, because sometimes you would message me and because, folks, what I would do is I would record one chapter, I would edit it, send it to JB, and then she'd say, no, you said he instead of she, I need to fix it, or the voice wasn't quite right, and I would fix it if if need be. Um, And then I would finish processing and finish, like, all the editing part. Um, (laughs) And I remember you had said a couple of times, you know, I was like... I um I forgot that I wrote that sex scene and I'm blushing and I'm like sister you need to go to church. <laughs> it's true. Like I'd hear it and I'd be like, oh jeez. Oh. <laughs> and then and then I'd be like, wait a minute, I wrote that. Yeah. I know my daughter, uh, my oldest, she actually started reading them. Oh, nice. Yeah, and um, she warned all of her other siblings <laughs> against reading them. She said, "She said it's like a glimpse into mom's head that you never wanted." <laughs> it's like we you get to see a whole side of mom that we didn't know about. <laughs> That's right. And so she's like, "Mama." <laughs> yeah. I remember, I think it was the last chapter you said uh, you were listening to the, the last chapter and your husband walks by and you're like, what are you listening to? Yes. And and you're like, my book. He goes, you wrote that? And you're like, yeah, I wrote that. <laughs> but I didn't tell you about the eyebrow wiggle afterwards. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I was like, oh, like, don't get excited. It's like 10 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> Oh, too funny. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, but we we did it though. Like I I remember the excitement after the last chapter. Like I remember just the the pure energy, and then I sat on it for what a month, a month after you sent it to me, and yeah. I just sat on it for yeah. a month. I was petrified. Why? Okay. It had nothing to do with your narrating, honestly and truly. When I first released Integrity, I had finished Integrity six months before I released it. Oh, wow. Because I was petrified that somebody wouldn't like it. I was so scared 
that the book would be awful and nobody would buy it. Like, it was just like my, it's like, it's like a piece of your soul you're sending out into the world. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And I went through the same thing after you finished narrating it because I was afraid again that people wouldn't like it. Like your end was perfect. But what if the words weren't perfect? You see what I'm saying? Yep. What if the story really wasn't that good? And I was I was so scared. So every time you asked me if if I'd looked into something or, you know, have you checked out this or have what what about this? And I'd be like, No, I've been busy. <laughs> <laughs> Like, she's avoiding me. (laughs) And I'm like, I'm like, I, but I was, I was literally scared to release it. And then one day I was like, you know what? I'm going to do it. I'm going to release it. And then I put it on the website and I uploaded everything. And then we had to wait. So then, so then I had, what was it, five days? It was five days where I was like, oh, (laughs) what have I done? (laughs) But but you go through that when you you release a book, too. Mm -hmm. So it's like when I released Fortitude, it actually took a lot longer for Fortitude to get uh, to go live. Because that it was right after it's been right after the pandemic, everybody wrote books during the pandemic, so there was a backlog. And because it took longer, I was actually like, Oh my, are they gonna reject it? Why would they reject it? Will they tell me why they're rejecting it? Yep. You know what I mean? <laughs> yep, so it was just like it's so nerve wracking when you put yourself out there and you wait for somebody else to be like, okay, <laughs> you're just like, all right. <laughs> so then we waited and we waited. It was five very, actually it was eight days because I uploaded it on a Friday. Then through the weekend and then Monday was a, um, Monday was a holiday member. And they, <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Cause we're like, when's it going to go live? <laughs> <laughs> and it was just like, and then we don't know, I, we, you guys, we are the worst techies because we have no idea how to use it. Like, <laughs> Thank God we have Brian Anderson. Yes. Thank you, Brian. Thank you. <laughs> because now it's uploaded and we're just like, so now what? <laughs> just like, yeah. What does this mean? <laughs> and it took me the longest time after I sent you all the chapters and it was live to because I was embarrassed too, going, oh my God, I narrated a book. I I, ha- I don't like my voice. I really hate my voice. I don't think I did a good job. Uh, it is my first book. I got to stop being so hard on myself. And then just out of the blue, I just made a little promo video and I sent it to you. And I'm like, what do you think? And it took me a while to actually do that to tell yeah. everybody, like, hey, the book is is live now. Go buy it. Yes, and and it was the best promo video. Like I'm like, holy shit, this is great. <laughs> <laughs> Posting it everywhere, and you know, uh, the first person to buy it was actually uh, the 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 girl that I gave birth to her son for. Oh, nice! Right? Yep. And um, she was. <laughs> it's funny too because she was like, 
how long is it? And I was like, well, it, it's nine, uh, what was it? Nine hours, 22 minutes and two seconds, right? And she's like, okay, that's long enough. She finished it in the first day and was <laughs> upset that it wasn't longer. <laughs> and she was like, when's the next one coming out? I was like, uh. We still have to edit it. <laughs> and before I start recording the next one, I have to sit down with uh, Mr. Anderson, and yes. he's going to give me some uh, pieces of advice on the first on the first book. So, yes. yeah, yes. thank you, Brian, for everything that you've done. Good God, it's been such a lifesaver because I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> No, and I never did this before, so I, I'm sure he, like when I first started the podcast, he probably hit his head on the desk countless times going, why is she not getting this? Because he would send me video tutorials, and I still didn't understand how to edit things. So I'd message him, like, do you have a minute for Skype? He goes, yeah, give me a minute. You know, and then what should have been like a 20-minute call sometimes was like three or four hours, you know, and I'm just like, I'm so sorry. He's so patient. He though. is, yeah. He's so patient i love it yeah. and we had what a four hour skype all three of us yeah time it yep. was great <laughs> so yeah it we we had a lot of help and there were a lot of bumps along the way there was a lot of mowing lawns and oh, thunderstorms <laughs> how many dogs dogs yes <laughs> <laughs> or, or my cats. Uh, how many times did I message you saying you with an audio clip going, do you hear the background? Do you hear the background? You know, and, was, and like, it's like, why? Is, it's like, why is it like one neighbor decides to mow the lawn as I like I waited a couple hours in the morning. As soon as I sit down, put the headset on, start recording. And then I hear the lawnmower like, are you kidding me? And then <laughs> my other neighbor and then across the street, I'm like, oh, my God, I'm going to lose it. Yep, yep. <laughs> Or Victoria walks in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, my daughter. <laughs> or my son, you know, it's like, really? Like, what do you not understand about I'm recording and I need absolute quiet? <laughs> I need a sign. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like recording in progress. <laughs> <laughs> recording in progress, so piss off. <laughs> That's right, shut the hell up. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, we... We went through the gambit. There was a ton of emotion during that. Yeah. We never fought, but it was like, is this okay? Yeah. And I'm like, that's fantastic. Or or the the one the one chapter that we had to redo the whole thing. Remember? Yeah. Yep. And and it wasn't even like her fault. I think you were tired. You had been you just got over COVID. Yeah, I think that's right. And you said you could hear the tiredness in my in my yes. voice. And so we, we went through and we redid the whole thing. It was just a long process, but it turned out beautifully. And when I say beautifully, you guys, go get it. <laughs> go to Audible, download it, listen to it, because I'm telling you, it is epic. It's beautiful. It's beautifully done. It's so professional. And uh, I think at the end... It was, we needed one more piece, and it was the promo. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. We didn't even know that was a thing. And yeah. then when you uploaded it, Audible said that you needed this part. And I'm like, what? So I messaged Brian. I'm like, what the heck is this? Oh, yeah. I forgot to tell you. I'm like, oh, thanks. <laughs> like, it's like the trailer or whatever that they wanted. Like and a synopsis of the book or something yeah, like that. Yeah. 
book. And I was just like, oh, what? <laughs> like, what? So, yeah. That, and then there was the last minute things. And then there was eight days of waiting. And then it went live. And then it was just there. And it, I'm telling you, it's like it's like a little baby. It keeps growing every day. Well, every week. <laughs> and I loved how um, we're friends. But when it came to the book narration, it was business. So and we we agreed early on that if there's something that needs to be said, you're, the person has to say it. And yeah. not the other person can't be offended. And that happens. Sometimes you're like, no, the voice isn't quite right. I'm like, okay, how can I fix it? And it's yeah. not that I got upset, upset with myself, you know, because right. I'm hard on myself. But um, no, we worked so well together and had so much fun. Yes. And, and that was the thing, right, is you guys, a lot of a lot of people, and I know your listeners know what I'm talking about, that you can't, you can't, a lot of people are like, you can't work with your friends. But if you lay the groundwork before you guys start working, yes, then you can work with your friends. If you do the, um, I'm, I'm your friend. We're close like family, right? But when when we're working, we're working. Yep. You know, and that's important. That's important because there is a monetary transaction in the end. Mm-hmm. You know. And so, yeah, it, it's so important. And I'm really glad that we hashed that out in the beginning and said, uh, you know, there is a fine line. You know, yes, we're friends, but like I said, this is business, and we got to handle it like business. And That's right. uh, and it just worked well. It did. It did. We we really do work well together. We do. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And I really liked too how I we would have these Skype episodes and um I'd say, Okay, I'm not quite sure how to do the voice for this character, but this is how I'm envisioning that this particular character and you're like, Yes, that's exactly how how it is. So uh that's kudos to a um a, a good author for writing it that way because I saw how you were trying to portray that particular character or scene. It made me happy that they came across, yeah. you know, their, their feeling came across and, you know, honestly and truly, I feel like the other books kind of fall short mm-hmm. in that aspect. I'm really working on it for uh valiance to get it back to where it was, but um, maybe not so much in trepidation, but in perseverance, I feel like my character building kind of sloped a little bit, but in all honesty, Perseverance was supposed to be the first book. Oh, that's interesting. I had it half written before I moved on to Integrity. And the reason why I didn't publish Perseverance first was because I had pre-written a version of Perseverance for fan fiction. Because I was <laughs> I was doing this whole Twilight fan fiction thing. Yeah, yeah. And so I wrote a story called Mirrors. And so I had already written Perseverance, a form of Perseverance. And I hated it. I, I, I just couldn't, in my head, it was like, but this is already done. Why are we redoing it? Mm-hmm. See what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And so that's why Perseverance never made it to the first book. And that's also why it made it to the third book, because I said I moved on until... I published it. 
That's interesting to find out the backstory of how authors create characters and how they, you know, especially if they have a series, how, how did it come to fruition? Like, it's, it's really yeah. interesting. So um, it's funny, too, because in Perseverance, you haven't read Perseverance. No, not yet. Have you seen that uh, Katy Perry video called Wide Awake? The one with the hedge mage, maze. I don't know. I don't think so. Well, in Perseverance, there is a hedge maze. A maze, And I remember it was already in the book. And then uh, my friend called me and she was like, girl, have you seen this video? Because she had been beta reading for me. Okay. And I, was, I was like, what video? And she's like, this Katy Perry video called... Uh, um, is it Wide Awake? Wide Awake, I think. I, I'm Wide Awake. I'm looking at this Katy Perry called uh, Wide Awake. Yeah. So it must be that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, I watched it and I was like, Katy Perry, you stole my book idea. <laughs> you made it into a video. <laughs> <laughs> it was hilarious. And I was like, man. That's how you know it's a good idea, though, because Katy Perry made it. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> You're like, my idea is going to be awesome. <laughs> so, but the stories, they're, they're there. All of them are most, like, all of them are, like, four to five chapters in. I have written four to five chapters of every book before I even finished Integrity. Oh, wow. So I knew where each book had to stop mm -hmm. for the next one to start and the progression of each book and how they were going to be. Um, except for the fact that I had to fit in Perseverance because it was supposed to be the first book. So um, I had to do some finagling and yeah, uh, <laughs> It was just a lot, and there was a lot going into it. And I, I kept thinking, do a lot of authors go through this? Like, I don't know if they do. Like, if my mindset is just weird and <laughs> you're just weird. <laughs> yeah, I'm just weird. <laughs> well, anyone listening to this, if you're an author, please let us know. How do you write a book? Comment below. Let yes, please. You yeah. know, because there's so many steps. Some authors do the whole, you know, outline thing. You know, I can't do the outline thing because it writes as I go. Yep. So I don't know what's going to happen until I get there. Yep. I know how the book is going to start and I know how the book is going to end, but I don't know any of the in-between. Mm -hmm. um, but some people, some people jump chapters. Like I have a friend who's writing a book and she started with chapter one. She went to chapter 10. She's over in chapter five. She's like, she jumps chapters and she'll put them all together. And I'm like, I can't do that either because I literally will lose my shit. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm like, I, I don't know where I'm at. Like, <laughs> It's kind of like when you're making a movie, you hear of this, this movie and the, the two main characters just met for the first time on set and they're doing like the la the, the very first film session is like the last part of the movie where they're acting right. like they're supposed to be this couple that have been together a long time, but they really just met, you know. They literally just met. Yeah, yeah. so how do you 
get across. Absolutely. Yeah. But a lot of a lot of authors write like that as well. And so, yeah, you guys comment below. Tell us how you write, because I'd like to know that I am not the crazy one. <laughs> you are. but <laughs> Oh, yeah, just a little. <laughs> and I have to say, bef before we, we sign off here, I uh, just want to say the second book. So far, I'm really, really liking it. I'm only like a chapter in, but I like it because it's about a paranormal investigative team. Yes. So yeah. I just, I can, I feel like I can relate a lot more to that. Yeah. I, I want to do this again in the future after we finish, after we finish trepidation. Yeah. yeah. Only because uh, my insight on how a ghost is, is very different in this book than what we actually believe. And I'd like to know, you know, what you, th what your thoughts were on, on that, yep. you know, portion so you you got to start reading because i need you to get started <laughs> i did start reading i've just been busy lately so but i plan i um i plan on picking it up again very soon <laughs> because i can't wait to find out the story i mean yeah you intrigued me already from the beginning so yeah folks you need to go out and and pick up the the um the book, the actual physical book, and the the audio book, uh, Integrity, an Obsidian Guardian novel by J.B. Coates. Um, yeah. It really is a good story. And I'm not saying that because I narrated the book. I really, truly believed in the book. I, I loved it. And so thank you for believing in me. Oh, I definitely believe in you. You got it done. And all the hoops that you jumped through to get there, phew, you're my man. <laughs> <laughs> and I and when you mentioned it, I'd forgotten that I had two bouts of COVID during the eight months of recording it. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You 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 push through that. And I I was like, man, I she's she's a trooper. So yeah. <laughs> they make up different in Canada. <laughs> <laughs> well JB, what's that? Say that again? I said, you guys are just bored. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, before we sign off, why don't you tell the listeners where they can find you and your books right. and about your events and, and just to find out anything about you. Pretty much anything, huh? Well, I have a TikTok. It's JB Coates one um, on TikTok. I am the Obsidian writer on um, Instagram. You can find me on Facebook, JB Coates. It's uh www.facebook.com backslash obsidian writer. Um, and you can find me. I am, I am on Twitter, you guys, but I really don't tweet a whole lot. Um, I, I haven't, I'm old and <laughs> I haven't picked up the whole Twitter thing, especially because Twitter is really accessible. You guys, I don't know how you guys do it, <laughs> but, uh, I am on Twitter, Obsidian underscore writer. So you guys can you guys can go ahead and follow me. You guys can message me. Um, my books are available on Amazon. They're available on uh, in the book catalog of Books a Million and Barnes and Noble. And they uh, and the audiobook is available on Audible. Awesome. Yay! And you listeners know that I'll be having the links in the uh, show notes so it's easier for you to find. Yes. Yes. Thank please you. Find please find it. Oh, thank you for having me again, Kat. It's always so much fun. I know. And we always seem to go on a tangent, like, you know. Yeah, all over the place. Yeah. <laughs> in what, an hour and 30 minutes. Yes. 
<laughs> yeah. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> so thank you so much again. Not a problem. Much Not love problem. to you. I love you so much. I love you. <laughs> Bye, guys. Bye, everybody. Well, we've made it to the end of another episode. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time, take care of each other. And if you'd like to be on the show or have questions and comments, just drop me an email, paranormalheart13 at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. Paranormal Heart would like to extend a special thank you to PurplePlanet.com for supplying the music for the show. The views and opinions expressed on Paranormal Heart are those of the host and participants. 